I am so excited to talk to you today, Shauna. We had an amazing webinar last week for a law firm, and we talked about some really interesting topics that I um, have heard you speak about before, but then we talked about things that I haven't heard you speak about before. And first, I, I actually don't want to introduce you. I kind of want you to introduce yourself because I don't think anyone can do as good of a job as you do, because <laughs> uh, I think you have the most incredible background that um, merges kind of these two worlds of, um, well, starting with a corporate background and then working your way into what I would say you truly love. And so, well, first of all, will you just start with kind of who you are, where you come from, and how you got to where you are today? I can. And thank you so much for having me. It's um, such a pleasure. I always love talking to you. Um, and yeah, it, so I started, I fell backwards into the corporate space. I never intended to work in the corporate world from the time I was five um, until I was 32. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, my father was an attorney and self-employed. So I saw, you know, there was some freedom in that. And that was kind of, that was always the goal, but I fell backwards into um, working in the dot-com space and the tech space because I, I lived in the Bay Area. So um, I started my career at Yahoo in 1997. I was the 247th employee. Um, I was there for five years. I went to eBay and then Google. Um, all of they were, you know, teeny tiny little companies. And, you know, it was amazing. I couldn't have paid for that kind of experience. I always say it was, you know, I had a front row seat to a Harvard Business School case study. Um, but what was, you know, what was really going on was I wasn't necessarily doing things that were in alignment with me. And the, like the chronic stress was just eating away at me and I didn't really realize it. Um, so I left Google after I took the LSAT, which is the law school admission test and went to culinary school instead. Um, and it was, as I affectionately call it, hippie school. Um, it was the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York City, and it was the leading health supportive culinary school. Um, and so it was there that really, I, you know, my passion for health and wellness was ignited. I say my inner hippie was awakened. I'm a California girl, but it really started to, you know, blossom in New York City. Um, and I think it was in my first or second week where they said, you know, food and mood are connected. You know, what you eat actually affects how you feel. And it had literally never dawned on me. You know, I was 33 years old and it was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Um, and I kept wondering throughout the curriculum, you know, why is nobody talking about this? Um, and then, you know, I worked in the culinary space for three years, um, trying to put things together. I went back into the corporate space um, and fell into HR. It was never something that I'd ever considered. And re I really enjoyed the learning and development and the coaching piece of it. Um, and I worked at companies. Um, I worked at Twitter and Blue Apron and Compass. And again, the amount of stress was so insane. And all of these things, all of these symptoms were showing up, but I didn't necessarily know that they were symptoms of chronic stress. Um, stress is the result of something happening. And then, you know, my body was giving me all of these signals, um, you know, trying to get my attention saying like, hey, something's really wrong here. Um, and when I really realized something was really wrong is when I decided to leave uh, the nine to five grind altogether and start my own business. So that's me in a nutshell. I love it. I love it. And I love the food affects your mood. Um, I also think the opposite is so true. I think your mood affects your food, right? I think your mood affects your food intake. Um, sometimes Absolutely. You, you're feeling makes you want to eat different things, obviously the weather and, you know, different times of year, but also just like how you feel that day or that afternoon or that 
hour or that minute affects what you want to eat. And I think it's really important to listen to that too. Um, one of the things that you recently were talking about that I actually hadn't heard you talk about before that I found so fascinating um, was, first of all, you've done so much research and are clearly incredibly passionate about Eastern, um, I would, would you call it Eastern medicine or would you call, is it Eastern, um, what do you, yeah, how, do you, I, I, how do you say it? Um, I guess Eastern medicine. I mean, I just, I say traditional Chinese medicine. I, you know, I could speak more. Okay. Yeah, I can speak more fluently about that. I know a little bit about Ayurveda and a little bit about other um, modalities, but that's really, um, you know, what I know most about. So I guess we'll call it traditional Chinese medicine. Traditional Chinese medicine. And one of the things that you were talking about was, um, and maybe this is really specific, but I found it just so interesting was, what times you wake up in the middle of the night are indicative to what's going on in your body and the imbalances in your body. Um, will you sort of dive deeper into that? Because I found it to be so incredibly interesting. Um, I will gladly talk about this. This is one of my absolute favorite topics. So in traditional Chinese medicine, um, there are 12 major meridians and they are paired in with yin and yang. And that's a whole, that's an entirely, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, but right. those 12, <laughs> that, seriously, I mean like, so those 12 meridians are paired with um, two hours on the clock. There's 24 hours in each day. So they each get two hours that they're at their peak function. That's when they get to show off. That's when they get to do their thing. Um, and so for me, the clock is a huge diagnostic tool that we all can, you know, take advantage of. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to memorize it. You can literally Google it. But um, for me, when I work with people and, or, you know, just talking to friends, um, you know, if they say I'm not sleeping well, I usually ask, you know, if it's trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, most people have trouble staying asleep and it's, they're usually waking up, you know, if it's, you know, if it's once or twice and then you, you know, you're able to fall back to sleep and, you know, you're, you can go about your life after, you know, one or two nights, I'm not going to say that's a pattern, but if you've got like three or more nights that you're like, I keep waking up at, you know, 137 or something, you know, like it, and I'm like, all right, that your liver is trying to get your attention. You know, your liver peak function is between one and three. Um, your liver is paired with anger, um, the emotion. And so that's, you know, once you can start to peel things back like that, or like, you know, some people say, I wake up at some point between three and five. Well, then I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, you're either holding your breath, you're not breathing because this has to do with your lungs and your lungs, mm -hmm. the emotion associated with your lungs is grief. So what are you holding on to? If it's not your, it, it's mm -hmm. most likely your breath is, you know, the physical, you know, manifestation of it. But what else are you holding on to? I mean, we're all holding on to a lot of stuff, right? I mean, I wish I could say that mm -hmm. I have rid myself of all of the baggage. I mean, I think I do a pretty good job, but you know, we're humans. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's usually, that's like, that's, those are the nighttime organs I call them. But, you know, so you know, then you get to five and seven in the morning, we've got our large intestine peak function and the large intestine and the lungs are paired together. Well, most people are getting up between five and seven in the morning. And so it's an elimination organ. What do you do? The first thing you get up and go to the bathroom. Um, and so then, you know, then, you know, you see the progression of the clock, it's stomach, spleen, small or, uh, heart, small intestine. And so you can go around. And so when 
I ask people, you know, if they start to talk about, you know, this is how they're feeling, I can ask questions. Okay, well, between the hours of X and Y, or, you know, whatever, you know, are you feeling a dip in energy? Are you feeling, an, you know, this sort of, you know, increase of energy? Um, and then it's going to help start to back into, you know, maybe what else is showing up, what else is going on in the body. Um, so the clock, I mean, literally you can Google traditional medicine, Chinese clock, and it's, you'll get a plethora of information, but it's, it's one of my favorite things to look at um, from a diagnostic perspective. That's so incredible. I love that. Oh, sorry. This is working from home. I love that so much. And then what are things that we can do, um, are there things that we can do going back to your culinary training um, to eat, to fuel our body, to help those things, like help our liver and help um, the organs in our body function better? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely different types of foods and different flavors are associated with the different mm -hmm. organs um, as well. And so, um, you know, so your kidneys and your bladder are paired together. So salty flavor, salty flavored things. And I'm not talking like Morton salt or like added crappy salt in processed food. I'm talking more like Himalayan high quality Celtic sea salt. Seaweed is really good. Mm -hmm. um, root vegetables are incredible for your kidneys and your bladder. They're, um, a, they're kind of, you know, if you look at, you know, the chakras, the, um, you know, they're not exactly the same thing, but your kidneys and your root chakra are paired together. Your kidneys are a root organ. Um, they help you feel grounded. So things that go into the ground, carrots, parsnips, beets, radishes, anything, you know, that is a root vegetable is super helpful mm. um, or, or salty flavored. Um, black beans and kidney beans are incredible for the kidneys. I mean, the kidney beans look like kidneys. So that is why they're right. good for the kidneys. Um, I, well, mm. And there's a whole thing called the doctrine of signature, which is, you know, foods that look like body parts are actually, you know, there is some benefit to that body part. I'm digressing a little bit, but, you know, if you think about like, again, the kidney bean is good for your kidneys. A walnut looks like the brain. It's got the, you know, high omega three fatties, which are good for the brain. Um, that's again, another topic. Um, but things, you know, for the liver, dark I never leafy knew greens, that. That's so yeah, it's really intuitive. <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. It's really, it's really cool. Um, you know, a heart is, or a, sorry, a tomato is really good for your heart. If you cut a tomato in half and you look at, you know, all of the insides of a tomato, it actually looks like the chambers of a heart. Um, yeah. Citrus actually, citrus is really good for your lungs. It's also really good for the breast tissue because once you peel back that skin on the little, you know, smiles of citrus, the little pieces of citrus, and they have all those little, um, right things inside that actually resembles breast tissue, which, yeah, once you dive into this, it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, but yeah. you know, going back to your question about like foods that you can eat to support the different, um, the different organs. I mean, literally the liver is paired with the gallbladder. It's they're the yin and yang of each other. And believe it or not, mm -hmm. even though the liver is um, the biggest internal organ, it's, I, you know, liken it to the chief of staff. It's actually a yin in yin organ, uh, which is, you know, downward, more feminine energy, um, and the gallbladder is the yang, but um, it's associated with sour and spicy flavors. So if you're really craving sour and spicy food, you know, that is also indicative that you might have a liver imbalance or a gallbladder imbalance. Um, spleen and stomach, um, things that are good and nourishing for your spleen and stomach are actually white foods. Um, white rice, believe it or not, I know it's sort of vilified, but I am such a white rice fan. Um, it also helps with inflammation. It acts as a sponge and sort of, you know, helps calm that down. Um, cauliflower, potatoes, really good for your stomach. Um, 
so going back to the white rice and um, the spleen and the stomach in uh, congee, um, which is a rice porridge that's served in, you know, a, a lot of the, um, you know, there was, there's, um, sorry, totally my brain and my mouth are not moving at the same speed, but um, congee, yeah, it's like, uh, um, so congee served, if you're not feeling well, a lot of Chinese people will eat congee. Um, you know, it's kind of our, you know, in the US, we do chicken soup. I don't do chicken soup, but a lot of people, it's sort of like, oh, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to have chicken soup. Congee is actually, mm. it helps settle your stomach. It's really good um, for that. Um, but the flavor that's associated with the spleen and the stomach is sweet. So if you have a, like major sugar cravings, there's something going mm. on with your stomach and your spleen. So, um, mm. you know, the heart, um, red food, beets, tomatoes, strawberries, raspberries, strawberries also look like a heart. So that's, you know, they're good for the heart. Um, and um, yeah, so the lung and large intestine, also things that look like the lungs and the large intestine, even cauliflower, again, is really good. Um, citrus fruit is good. Pomegranate, really good. Um, and then again, the kidneys I talked about. So yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot. I'm like, you know, giving the reader's digest version, but those are some things that you can yeah. do for, to strengthen those organs. Yep. That's amazing. And what were the things that you um, sort of, I guess, sort of the Reader's Digest version, but the sort of things that you, like five things you just stay away from that you would say, you know, I, eating, I don't know if say eating a balanced diet, that seems so, you know, a long time ago, mm -hmm. but modern day mixing sort of an, a well-balanced Eastern Western diet, like what are the things that you stay away from? Um cold food and raw food. I don't, uh, it's summer. So I do eat a little bit more, um, but it's extremely hard on the body. It's really hard for your body to digest. Um, it's also why we don't crave it in the middle of the winter. It's hard, it's hard for your body to digest and it actually cools you down, um, which is why, you know, a salad sounds great in the summer, but like, you know, when in the dead of winter, that's the last thing I want to eat. I want soups and stews and things like that. So um, it's, so raw food, cold food um, is pretty much a no-no. Again, now that it's hotter, I'll eat maybe one raw meal a day, if that. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, white flour, dairy, um, sugar, those are things that I don't, and no processed food. Um, I mean, you know, I realize, you know, we it's sometimes hard to do. Um, I'll eat it every once in a while, but it's not, I don't, it's not a staple. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of like the Beyond Meat and the Impossible Burgers and stuff. They're not healthy. It's like, it's junk food. Um, so I stay away from yeah. those things. And what's your feeling on natural sugars? Um, well, it depends on what you consider natural sugars. I mean, I use a lot of um, maple syrup um, when I cook and, you know, really high quality maple syrup. It doesn't spike your glycemic index. So um, that's what we learned in, in hippie school was, you know, we use maple crystals, we use maple syrup. Um, things do tend to taste like pancakes, but, you know, maple, I do think maple lends a nice mm -hmm. flavor. Date syrup is really good. Um, but things like turbinado and palm and brown sugar. I mean, they're still highly processed. It's just gone through less processing than white sugar. White mm -hmm. sugar has gone through, I think it's like 16 or 17 steps to get to that white. And the reason that it gets to that white is initially people thought it just was prettier. Um, so like the brown sugar or sugar in the raw goes through, I think it's like 12 or 13 steps. Um, it just keeps that, but it's still not great for you. So if you're going to do a sweetener, you know, I always lean towards um, maple syrup, date syrup, um, 
There's a lot of other things that you can look at. Allulose is something that I'm getting more interested in. I know a lot of people do stevia. I, I just don't use a lot of it. What about fruits? Do you have an issue eating like fruits that are nope, high in no. sugar? No, I don't, I, because it's naturally occurring. Um, I don't think mm -hmm. that it's, it's not the same um, as, you know, processed sugar. It's not going to hit your, you know, hit your body in the same way. I don't eat, I eat, I eat fruit, especially now in the summer. It's, you know, and I'm in the, in California. I mean, we're so lucky, like produce is amazing. Um, but I, nice. I just, I, that's not something I worry about. And what do you think of the sort of diets where they're so, um, you know, rigid where it's like, you know, I have a friend who won't eat any nightshades, whatever that means. What are your feelings on that kind of thing? So nightshades, um, that's an interesting one because nightshades um, contain something called oxalate um, acid. So that actually leaches minerals from your bones and it, or it inhibits the absorption of minerals in your bones, um, specifically calcium. Um, so usually, um, you know, those are tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, um, and, you know, things like Swiss chard and spinach, you know, when you eat that, you know, when you eat spinach, you get that filmy stuff on your teeth. It's like, right. oh, it kind of leaves that. That's, that's, that's the oxalate. Um, so usually things with oxalate, you pair with a dairy source or a calcium source so that it, it's like, you know, mm. magnets, it's, they repel each other. Um, so if that person isn't eating nightshades, it could be for a number of reasons. It could be, you know, that person's on an elimination diet. Um, he or she has arthritis or some sort of inflammation. So that will help um, tamp down that inflammation. But things that are too rigid, I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, if you can't make it a like a lifestyle, if this is just I want to lose five pounds, that's where I, you know, kind of bristle a little bit and start to ask questions like what you know, what are you trying to get out of this? You know, to me, it's let's change your eating habits so that you have healthy insides, um, which will manifest mm -hmm. as like beautiful skin and great hair and all the other stuff, you know, all the physical that we can see. But, um, you know, things like keto and paleo. Keto, I don't think is something that people can do very long. I know people have great success with it. I think everybody's very different. I think, I mean, you know, my mom and I eat, very similarly, we probably have very different, like she probably has different needs than I do, even though we eat very similarly. So I think that it's kind of hard to say, you know, I don't think there's a one size fits all diet approach. And, you know, going back to keto, the amount of fat, I don't care if it's good fat or bad fat, it still goes through your liver. It's very hard on your liver. So that's just one thing, right. you know, when people say I'm doing the keto diet, I'm not going to tell you yes or no, like that's up to you. If you feel great, kudos. Um, but if you're asking for guidance, I'm just going to say, be careful because your liver has to process all of that fat. I don't care if it's coconut and avocado or, you know, crappy fat. It's the same. Your, your liver processes yeah. it the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And there's something also, I mean, to me, it goes back to, um, you know, the reason why I do this and the reason why I created the Lynn Cohen Foundation and the reason why, um, you know, I started this educational platform, the theme, uh, the series for education, awareness and medicine, which is for women to know their normal, right? And to know your baselines, to know your normal, meaning know what is, what your, what it is that you, when your body is sort of imbalanced and when you want to feel your best, um, and I think that's sort of the heart of what women are usually trying to get towards. And for me, it's 
the heart of it for me and where I come from is from the side of prevention. So it's, you know, no when things are right. I just, you know, interviewed a woman who's beaten breast cancer and is on the other side of it. And for her, it was really, you know, the way she found her breast cancer was she literally knew that her breasts were not feeling normal. And so she was very active and did something about it. So there's that. And then I think for diet and nutrition and and the side of this idea of balance, which I believe is really the heart of of sort of Chinese medicine, if I if I understand it correctly, it's this idea of uh-huh. the yin and the yang that's really big and balanced, right? Um, uh-huh. I think that's it too. And so when you're changing your diet and you're changing your intake of nutrition, and I think it's like, well, you have to find the balance, right? So that your body can be in balance. Um, if you're waking up at three in the morning, it's because something's out of balance, which I, I find to be just so incredible. It's like, you have to listen to yourself. You have to listen to your body and figure out like, okay, well, something's going on and not push against it, but like lean into it and, and under, try and understand it and then get to the heart of it. And back to the beginning, I guess, is how you started on this journey, right? Which was listening to the stress and understanding that the stress was causing um, different things in your own body and then eliminating the stress so that you could then deal with the things that the stress was causing, which um, I think women in general have the hardest time doing. Um, which I yeah, so frustrating. I, <laughs> it, it, it is frustrating. And I love what you said about, you know, leaning into it and, you know, all of the things that you were saying, it's, I, I, you know, I work with a lot of people that, um, you know, they're in the corporate setting um, and a lot of, you know, there's a, you know, sort of a buzz phrase in the corporate world of, you know, we're a very data driven environment, you know, so everybody's like downloading stuff from databases and, you know, pivot tabling and using Excel that is not my skill set, by the way. But anyway, like, so everybody's, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of looking at this and sort of plotting and planning their move. And so they've got all of this information. Um, Our bodies are databases. Our bodies are constantly giving us all of this data and information so that we can say, huh, something isn't right. Our bodies are big databases. Our bodies are constantly providing data and information for us to, you know, learn from and and look at and know that something's wrong where, you know, it's, you may just, you know, there's a lot of doctors that are now calling it FLC, feel like crap syndrome. Do you just kind of like that general Hmm. sort of malaise brain fogginess um, is one, you know, and that's kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, You know, there's obviously like the cortisol production, which increases your belly fat. There's, um, you know, dark circles under your eyes that literally no concealer in the world will cover, you know, that's going to show up. That's, you know, a kidney imbalance. That's something going on. That's what I had. And, and, you, you know, you know, one of my favorite, ones is the signs, you know, one of the signs for adrenal fatigue, looking at the underside of your hands on the palm side of your hands in between the ridges for your knuckles. If you see those vertical lines um, in between there, or even at the tops of your fingers, if you have some ridginess or if it looks pruney, like you've been underwater, um, most people have it, that's a sign of adrenal fatigue. So there's all of these funky little things that your body's like, you know, doing to get your attention we just don't necessarily know what they mean. And so I am aiming to educate people to pay attention to those things, use that body clock um, to start to understand like, you know, there is, you know, this is what stress is doing. It's, it's showing up. And again, stress is the result of something external happening. And that stress is going to then cause more things um, to happen in the body. And it's so important for two things. It's important for us 
to listen and pay attention to our bodies and then to educate ourselves and to ask the questions to find the experts, the actual experts, and to um, to figure out what it all means. And I think that those two things are working, you know, work together and we have to do those things. And I think, you know, a lot of people's answer is, well, I don't have the time or when am I supposed to do that? And I think that's just a crappy bullshit, you know, <laughs> excuse. We have time I and mean, we all spend so much time researching so many things that mean nothing. Um, the amount of time we spend looking at, you know, lame shit on our Instagram and, you know, uh, social media in general, or just wasting time doing things that really don't matter when there's stuff that really does matter and educating ourselves on, you know, little teeny things, like you said, these lines on our fingers that really can be clues to what's going on inside of our bodies and what it means that we're waking up at three in the morning or what it means if you have bloat right in the midsection of your belly, what does that mean? And what it means to get, you know, constant migraines or what does it mean if you're constipated for months on end? You know, these are things that women, forget about men right now, but just women need to listen to and to understand and then ask the questions because there are people like you who have spent the time and resources to educate themselves, to understand and to be able to answer those questions for people. And it's incredible. And to be able to talk to you and to, you know, get the answers, it's enlightening and it's, you know, it opens your eyes to your own body and to make sense of it all. It's incredible. I mean, the little, you know, the five or six conversations I've had with you in the short time I've been able to get to know you, the little tips and, you know, tricks that I've been able to learn and just incredible. And I feel like I know a lot more than the average person. Um, about my own health and wellness, but just the little things that you've been able to teach me have been, I don't know, I feel like I'm just at that next level, which I'm not so special, but I you know it's so great. One of my You are special, is, Amy. I, oh, I don't know about that, but just today I was driving and I, where I am right now, there's a long, there's like three stops of lights where I am, but there's one long one and I was sitting there and I took some deep breaths and I put my right thumb into the middle of my left hand, um, my left palm, and I pushed in the center. And to be honest, I don't even know what it's connected to because I forgot um, my pericardium, I want to say. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. I remember. But I, when I push hard on my, and it's, it's more intense on my, when I push into my left palm than when I do it on my right palm, it is so intense. And when I really take five deep breaths, that's it. It is like this wave comes over me. It is this just incredible, you know, I, I, I guess tiny is not the right word because it's so major for me that you taught me and I love it. Will you just explain what that is and how deep it is? And I just, it's one of those things that I think is so, it's such a great takeaway. Will you give us the, the sort of background on it? I love it. Yeah. Um, and thank you for that. That was such a, I mean, I'm so glad that you used that. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, so the, the point in the, in the palm of the hand in that fleshy part, it, it is, it's pericardium eight, your pericardium 
is the fluid sack around your heart. It's your heart's protector. It's the bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's interesting um, that it's so, you know, your yin side is more intense than your yang side, not necessarily um, like, oh, wow, that's like riveting. I mean, it's just, it is interesting. And you'll notice that both sides are going to be different. You're, you know, probably a little bit more yin deficient. We do tend to run on yang energy. And I'll explain what that means in a second. Um, but the, the pericardium, I love to take my thumb um, more than my forefinger. I think you just get a little bit more heft. You know, you get you, your thumb's just mm. a bigger finger. Um, and, you know, pushing into that and taking those five deep breaths, it's going to calm you down. I kind of, it's like a panic button. And it's something that you can do. Mm. I mean, I know a lot of us aren't in offices right now. We're working from home um, right now. But even when you do go back into an office or, you know, like yourself, you were sitting in the car, you can do this anywhere and it's free and it takes a minute. You know, this isn't like you have to be this expert on, you know, traditional Chinese medicine and go to school for four years to learn this. This is literally like I just told you about it. You can do this right now. This is immediate and actionable. Um, and it's going to take you a minute. If you put your thumb in the palm of your hand, take, you can even start with three deep breaths and do it on both sides and notice how you feel. And I love that it isn't small, that it is so noticeable for you. It's the same for me. Mm-hmm. I too, it's way more intense feeling on my left side than on my right side. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the left side of your body is connected to the yin, which is more introspective down, um, dark moon, feminine energy. It's more introspective. And we're actually in a period of that right now, just given the global pandemic, we're sort of forced to do it, right? Like there's not a lot of outward activity. I mean, there's the social unrest, which is going on. That's a lot of yang energy. Yang is upward, masculine, fiery. Like, you know, we're constantly, most people are running, on yang energy. So then they're going to get a yin depletion, right? They're going to borrow from mm. all of that yin energy and they're going to run on yang. It's just like your phone, right? If you're, fo- you've, you're running your phone, you've got 75 apps open, you're taking pictures, you're taking video, you're doing Instagram live, you're Facebook living at the same time. Like you're just using the shit out of your phone, right? And then right. all of a sudden your, your battery's at 20% and you're like, oh my God, but you're going to squeeze every last bit out of that battery power, but then you're going to go find a charger. Um, so that's essentially using yang energy. And then when it gets to that battery preservation piece, you turn on the, you know, save battery part, that's your yin. And so, but we do that with our bodies too. We run around and we're constantly just like, I can do it. I don't need to sleep. I can, you know, run, 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 run. It's just this constant running around and upward fiery energy. And we don't take a lot of time to sit and nourish ourselves. And I don't even mean to like sit and take a bubble bath or face mask or, you know, that kind of self-care. I mean, just like take three deep breaths and kind of figure out where you are, learn who you are. And, you know, going back to um, an earlier part of the conversation, just figuring out, you know, is this normal or are these things that are showing up like, huh, something's off and just getting to know yourself. And so doing that sort of that inner work. So, um, but yeah, I know you asked me about pericardium eight and I gave you a little bit more than you asked for, but that's how no, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And one of the slides that we were going to do last week for that webinar, it had, um, I think you had the poop emoji on there and it said like, if your poop is stuck, this mm-hmm. is normal, something like that. And, um, the gal that I, my friend that I do, that we organized it with, she mm-hmm. even said, should we leave that on there? And I said, well, yes, that's really important. And that's like anyone's first question that they should ask you when you go see a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like the first question, you know, 
what's your pooping like? And it's funny because so it makes so many people so uncomfortable, but it is kind of like the telltale sign of what is going on. And, you know, when someone says to you, like, are, you know, what's your normal? What's, what is it? You know, what, what is your norm? Everyone kind of dances around that, but it's like, well, you know, that's one of those things we got to talk about. And um, I love that it was, you know, you had put it on there with, with the poop emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important. And I think that sort of get to, you know, and get women to feel comfortable with just, you know, finding the, the balance within themselves and the ability and the freedom to talk about it. And to take that time, like you said, it doesn't have to be a whole two hours of, you know, doing a face mask and soaking in a bathtub or, you know, whatever, but just to take the time to say, okay, what makes me feel good? And I'm going to take some deep breaths and then think about like, how, like, am I, am I balanced and what's out of balance and out of whack? And how do I get to the root, the root of it? Um, And I think that brings me to the last thing I really wanted to talk about with you, which um, was also brought up last week, which I thought was interesting that a lot of people don't even know, which is the different types of doctors that are out there and the different types of practices that are out there. And I actually am a really big fan of of, um, using all of them. So I'm a, a very large believer in Western medicine. I believe in oncologists. I believe in science. I believe in scientists and physicians and researchers. Um, but I also am a very large believer in, um, in the other, in other practices as well. I believe in acupuncture. I believe in herbs. I believe in seeing doctors who really go through the entire process with you to really get to know you. My gynecologist looks for one thing, but my, um, you know, a naturopath or a, um, in the, what's the doctor kind of doctor I'm looking, I'm sorry, the word just completely escaped me. Functional? Um, a functional doctor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. This is no. what happens to me at the end of the day. Um, a functional doctor, you know, who, like you said, will you walk in and take, I had nine vials of blood or 12 vials of blood taken to sort of see everything that's going on. See, I believe in the merging of the two. Um, and I'd love to know just more about your take on that and, you know, what you think and, and how women in particular can figure that out and chart those territories. Yeah. Before I answer that question, I just want to address the poop talk because I will talk about it. I don't think it's date talk. I don't think you need to get that comfortable with it, but I do agree with you that we need to talk about it. It's a vital sign. I mean, it's something like, you know, when you go to an acupuncturist, when you go to a, a naturopathic or a functional medicine doctor, they're going to ask, how's your poop? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's something, you know, it's like, okay. It, and you know, the it, different consistencies, different color, it's going to mean something. It's not something to be embarrassed about. We all do it again. I don't think you need to talk about it on dates or maybe you don't need to go on Instagram live and like show everybody what your poop looked like that day. But just like, you know, it is, it's a vital sign, just like women, your period, also a vital sign. It, you know, the color of your blood, the frequency, the, you know, cramping, all of that stuff, it's going to give you clues into what's going on. Um, and so going to your question, um, about the different doctors, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, Western doctors, I think there's a time and place. I think there's time and place for naturopathic functional is kind of a blend of the two. Most functional doctors, actually, I think all functional doctors, um, they have to go through, uh, they go through Western medical school, but then they go through two additional years of training. 
Um, so they mm -hmm. are trained Western, but then they also get like this holistic piece of it. Um, and, you know, naturopaths, um, it's, it is also science-based. It's just a very different way of looking at the body. Um, and so what they do, what a naturopathic doctor um, and a naturopath and a naturopathic doctor are different. So you want to, if you do go see a naturopathic doctor, they should have the um, credentials um, N as a Nancy D, much like an MD. It's a naturopathic doctor. Um, they go through four mm -hmm. years of medical school as well. Um, but they look at the body as a whole. Um, whereas in Western, it's a little bit more symptomatic and reactive. When I went to my naturopathic doctor and I just said, there's something wrong, I feel like crap. And he said, cool, let's go have you do blood work before we even start to like figure out what's going on because just these symptoms, there's so many things that it could be. He had me go um, do a comprehensive blood lab and that was it was 15 or 16 vials of blood. They were huge. I was just like, oh my God. But, um, you know, I, I would not have found out what I found out had I gone to just not just a Western doctor. I mean, much respect to them because I did not go to medical school much to my parents' chagrin, but um, right. they, you know, so what I found was, you know, my hormones were completely out of whack. Um, you know, one was super high, one was super low, um, which also meant that my thyroid was hypo. It was funky as all get out because my adrenals were funky um, and your adrenals and your thyroid talk to one another. And there are, you know, two glands that manufacture hormones in the body. Um, I also found out that I had low ferritin. I didn't even know what that was, um, which is, um, I'd never even heard that word before. Um, and it's um, essentially iron in your blood. Um, and it's not quite the bank account of iron in your blood. There's a little bit more to it, but um, it's amazing I'm not bald. Um, uh, normal range for a woman of ferritin is 20 to 200 nanograms. Um, I had four nanograms in my body. Um, which is insane. Um, so obviously yeah. I had anemia as well. Um, I hadn't eaten meat in 10 years. And so I literally left his office. He said, you need to have some hemi iron. Um, you, you have to, um, it's imperative. Um, otherwise you're gonna have Hashimoto's within a year. And so I, I left his office and bought short ribs and braised short ribs for the first time in 10 years. And I don't, you know, yeah. took digestive enzymes and I felt great and I like blessed the meat and all this other stuff. But the reason that I had low ferritin wasn't because I was eating a plant-based diet. It was because I was walking around with undiagnosed celiac disease, which celiac came as a result of the stress. I was a carrier for it because my mother has it. It's you know hereditary, but due to chronic stress that it got into my gut because my immune system was helping my body in other ways. Um, so I wasn't absorbing anything. I had low selenium. I take two Brazil nuts every day. Um, so these are things that I don't know um, that I would have necessarily found out um, just going a conventional route. And again, there's no disrespect to them because I did not go to medical school, but this was something that was very important to me to get those comprehensive blood labs done. I get them done every right. six months now, um, because my levels were so funky and, you know, just through diet and supplementation, no pharmaceutical, I was able to correct it. Um, my ferritin is almost back to a normal range in a year. Um, just because I started eating red meat, I don't eat it that often, but you know, in, I think the last time I had it checked, it was at 14. So it went up 10 points uh, in a year, which is huge. Yeah, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. It's amazing what stress does to the body and what you can do to correct, um, correct thing imbalances, really, I guess you would call them in your body. Um, 
using things besides quote unquote, you know, medicine or pharmaceuticals, drugs, really. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least in, you so many things you can try before going down mm-hmm. that road. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I was committed absolutely. to that. It was, yeah, it was, it's very important yeah. to me. Um, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a huge fan of pharmaceuticals for pharmaceutical sake. I know that it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. easy for people. It's like, oh, I, you know, if I could just have a pill and that's my meals and I'm like, Ooh, no, we're yeah. animals. You know, we're, at, we're, we're, we're animals. We need those, you know, naturally occurring substances to fuel our body. Yeah. It's not about synthetics. I agree. I agree. And I do believe there's a happy marriage between the two, but I also mm-hmm. think there's time and place for each. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important to remember. Um, and I think the next conversation we can have is um, really, you know, a 40, at least a 45 minute conversation about distress and how it really, um, the the hormones it produces. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. The hormone it, hormones it produces, what it really does chemically in your body um, and, you know, and, and the signs and symptoms to look for and, and then to sort of not rush to conclusions and treat the problem, not the symptoms, you know, treat the root, not the root, which mm-hmm. is what you did and not just the symptoms. I think that's really a huge thing. I know, you know, when my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, she had had many symptoms for over a year and for a year she had been attributing so much to stress, which I believe a lot of it was. Um, and, you know, looking back, it's hard to say, you know, what was the cause of what? And, you know, we'll never know because, you know, we never really, wasn't really talked about or dealt with, but she had so much stress in her life and so many symptoms that were because of stress, because of the cancer, or maybe, you know, one caused the other. I don't know. You know, it's, it's one of those things I wish that we had listened or she had listened or talked to her doctor about it, um, any doctor at that time, and said, uh-huh. this isn't normal. This isn't, this isn't right. You know, this isn't, this isn't what I should be having. And she just didn't. She just sort of passed it off as, oh, this is, this is normal for someone who's under a lot of stress. Um, but stress wreaks so much havoc on our bodies and it changes the inner workings because it releases all these you know, bad toxins and chemicals that, that affect so many other things. And it's like a, just this nasty, slippery slope. Um, so, well, I can't thank you enough for giving me your time today. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and go down so many different roads. Did we do that? Um, I, th- <laughs> I, I think we did. I mean, you know, your last yeah. point that you made is, you know, you know yourself better than anybody else. And if things are funky, yeah go to a doctor. There's no shame. There's, you know, it's there. They're not going to laugh about your poop. They're not going to laugh about your weird periods. They're not, that's what they're there to help you. You know, like they're trained to do that. And if they do, they're the wrong doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's find another one. There's, there's plenty of them. Um, but yeah, you know, get to know yourself and yeah, when things are off, it's, you know, there's something, there's something trying to get your attention. And, you know, you yeah. have, you need to go seek professional help to figure out what that is. And then from that point, you know, your course of action. Otherwise you're just like shooting, you know, you're kind of boxing with a ghost at that point where you're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And take advantage of the, of people like you, um, who are amazing and so passionate and so learned and, um, 
and followed your dreams, I think, and followed your gut and your, I mean, pardon the pun, I guess, but followed your <laughs> gut and your, um, and your, you know, your, where your, so your body was telling you to go and where your mind and your spirit were telling you to go, which I am so, um, I just think it's so phenomenal and everyone should take a, you know, should, should take, you know, should look at that. And, and if you're not doing that to take a second and, and really reevaluate because you only live once and that's really important. And I think it's important to make money and have a good job. And that's also, you know, really powerful, but also to, um, there's other ways to live and there's other ways to find happiness. 